Say sure the music explorers podcast. I am Elaine, and I am Scoot Magoot, and uh, we have got a collection of shit to talk about today. We've got uh, six albums that all have uh, anniversaries, and you know, as we like to do here, uh, we like to talk about albums that have anniversaries or special anniversaries this year. Uh, I think a couple of these might be in April, but uh, fuck it. It's the end of April. It's the end of March. <laughs> so um, let's just dive on into this. Uh, we're going to start off with Fugazi's Repeater, which turns, uh, I think, 30 this year. If that, Yeah, 30. <laughs> which is so yeah. fucking insane. Yeah, and it's definitely... I feel like this is going to start happening to us once we, you know, we get older and the albums we love now start aging. Oh, yeah. Because um, to me, I mean, this doesn't feel 30 only because obviously I heard it when I was, you know, only maybe five or so years ago. Yeah. But for someone who grew up, you know, with Minor Threat and then with Fugazi and then, you know, looking back and being like, holy shit, I'm old. This is old. Yeah, oh, Everything's yeah. old. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it's even weird thinking that like 13 songs came out in 1989. Like it just, it like, th- this doesn't feel like a 1990 album and 13 songs doesn't feel like a 1989 release either. Uh, it's very strange. Yeah, I I think when I first came into this release, it was under the guise, this was post-hardcore. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I was a high school teeny bopper listening to like Dance Gavin Dance and, and Asking Alexandria and stuff like that. So what post-hardcore meant to me was skewed by, you know, what it became. Yeah, um, definitely. Which is always, which is the problem. I think this is a big, big problem in quote-unquote core music is that it's just you know like metalcore is so many different strains like you know technically converge um you know like kill switch engage and hatebreed are all metalcore but like you like they don't really sound that much they have some common elements but yeah not not like I, super I, I, um, well I, I at least there's a general agreement about what the genre is uh, oh yeah uh yeah i i started the timer i'm sorry <laughs> i but like I think post hardcore, just I think the label itself is very vague, like even more vague than metalcore, even because like at least metalcore suggests like oh this is a fusion of like hardcore punk and metal, you know. Whereas like this is like kind of whatever hardcore punk follows up with, with which is like could be anything. Yeah, and uh, it's it's definitely an interesting. I mean, a lot of genre tags i feel like the time made some say it was probably some writer saying you know this is some kind of post hardcore yeah or like this is what what probably you know it's 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 accurate to a certain extent but you know just to like you know to say oh this is post like i don't know it it just seems very strange to me but all that to say is this is uh one of my favorite albums um i think I, i i love how just every single track and every single member in this band it j- just feels so uh integral you know I, it, it's it, there there aren't any loose ends here and i i mean i even like i own like uh, repeater plus three songs um so it's you know it's even longer um uh, and i still feel like like every track is is just really great and just like yeah really well placed really well performed so and i think that that's 
that's why I kicked myself uh, for because when I first put this on, I was like, "Ah, yeah, man, this sucks." Because I liked, <laughs> I, I, I had the I, same thing. So, but yeah. I liked Minor Threat at the time because obviously, you know, fast, you know, 50, 50 seconds long songs, you know, just adrenaline. And I was like, okay, like this is gonna be, um, you know, this is even gonna be even more intense, or you know, like it's gonna be, like I thought it was gonna be super different, but it just wasn't different in the way I expected. Yeah. It. You know, it wasn't as heavy or abrasive as Minor Threat, but also it wasn't as melodic or um, poppy, catchy, whatever you want to say, is the post-hardcore I grew up with. I, I, um, you know, what, what turned me off from from this album actually to begin with, what, when I was uh, very stupid um, and and didn't give it the chance it deserved. <laughs> um, I think if Repeater had been the first, if the title track had been the opening track instead of Turnover, I actually probably would have gotten into this album a lot earlier. Yeah, I mean, Repeater is such a catchy song. Yo, like, yeah, it's just well, I, so. I, I, I was Repeater. just of, I, oh, I, the <laughs> thing is, like the the chorus, like I think the chorus is really great, but like I think I'm trying to think back to my younger self, and like that that person would not have liked that. I I think, uh, like the chorus, but like that noisy intro to Repeater and sort of like all like that, like I think it's like pick scrapes and things like that, and like a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, you know, t- I, I love turnover, like turnover is probably my favorite song on the entire album, actually, either that or shut the door. Um, but they, you know, like turnover start is turnover is kind of a slow burn at first. Like it, it starts off very mellow and, yeah. you know, but for me, I'm like, I, I hear like, you know, a name like Fugazi, you know, and just think about the names that are connected to this band. And I'm like, this is way too mellow for me and they, you know and so i i i didn't even i don't even think i listened for like even the first verse which i really am mad about because like i i i think it's awesome just you know they uh the first course or the first verses i would languor rises reaching to turn off the alarm and there's never so much seething that it can't be disarmed. I'm like, I let, let, like I, I I chant that every single time. Like <laughs> I, I I've actually had this like I've had turnover stuck in my head for like the last week or so. Um, I, I just like I I think it's such a great song. Though I I think they're all really great tracks. To be fair, no, absolutely. And what what kind of sucks about it is that. My favorite song is "Shut the Door." Like, just something about it's just like the, like the final track, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like I love all the songs, but just the way that that she's not know, breathing. Yeah, that guitar riff hits yeah. and the way it develops, and it just it's it just keeps pummeling you throughout the entire oh yeah it, song, and then it's over, and it's like fuck. Well, <laughs> it, 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 unless you have a uh, plus three songs yeah i have uh, the vinyl copy i have is, is just repeater oh man um, so missing out and, un- oh. unfortunately the plus three songs i think i did end up listening to it all the way through the copy i got from the library back in high yeah. school but that had the plus three songs and i just i i you're totally right that turnover was um it really did serve as a barrier uh, for the album. If you know, it, 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 it's a for, good barrier though. Like it's it, it's it's almost like a litmus test for like a listener, in a way. If you yeah, will. for sure. Um, I think I didn't mean that. I meant more uh, for me or people who were yeah, oh yeah, uninitiated. I, 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 I get where you're going. That. So. Especially, I can imagine at the time. I would love to know what. Um, People who are big minor threat fans or hardcore fans, what what do they think of this? Oh, like yeah. going from because obviously they started with minor threat self titled and 
Um, some of the singles they released at the end of their career, they were starting to go in a little bit of a different direction. Yeah. Very different from their first two Seven Inches, but I don't think anyone expected this, and certainly what the band became. I think what I was, um, what I was thinking throughout, you know, you've mentioned this before, you know, listening to this, I'm like, is this my favorite Fugazi album? Because it's really hard to tell. I think their career is so. Uh, I, I, did s- I don't think Fugazi has made a bad album in my exactly. opinion. Exactly. W- w- which I, makes it so hard for me to even think about, like, oh, what my favorite would be. So Exactly. And I think more impressively is just their career, it, it builds off, you know, each album builds off of, you know, the previous one beautifully. Mm. I, I think that it's distinctly its own. It takes perhaps some of the, you know, the opportunities they could have tapped on in the previous release and explores and... and for me, the argument, if I had to pick, I would say the argument might be my favorite. Mm. Um, I would probably even, go 13 songs if somebody, like, put a gun to my head. But Yeah, but, but even then, it's it's hard to, like, I wouldn't want to only pick one to listen it to. It really, uh, yeah, it is, because, like, I, I really feel like, like, like I, after listening to this this week, I'm like, I really want to put on some more Fugazi, like, it's been a while. Um, yeah. So we are at a, like a minute and a half left in our ten minutes that we're allotting for this thing. So I just want to shout out one thing, and then I can turn. I'll turn it over to you. And just basically, Brendan Canty on drums, fucking love him. I think he is like one of the best rock drummers ever. Uh, I mean, it, it, to, to be fair, I think everybody in this lineup was really good. But Brendan Canty always let like no matter what Fugazi album I'm listening to, it he is always like the star for me. So. Um, yeah. yeah. Any final words? No, I, I think that's a great point to end on, is that uh, especially Repeater keeps the hardcore energy, but channels it through new ideas, and especially really great um, instrumentation. I would say perhaps only Drive Like Gay Who has better instrumentalists mm. on, uh, like, I think Yank Crime has probably my favorite just the the songwriting and performances in that are like Yank Crime is such hardcore. a great album. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that one hit me at just the right time. I'm I'm so glad that uh, not to get too off on a tangent, but that hit me at the time when I was ready for like what post hardcore actually is. Yeah, and it actually helped me come back to bands like Fugazi and be like, okay, like this is genius. I just was a moron. Yeah. You know? Back in my youth. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out to like to everybody in here. Guy Guy Picciotto Picciotto. I don't really know how to pronounce his name. Uh, sorry, but uh, I, I really liked. Uh, I, I just I love his vocal contributions too because you know while um, while Ian McKay you know has his 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 special type of vocal like very yelly. Um, I I like how uh, you know guy kind of just you know balances that to an extent and has like sort of like this flavor that he brings. Um, and we are actually a little bit over our time, so uh, yeah. Fugazi repeater, fucking great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's all that needs to be said. Yeah, we uh, could probably just do that for all of these, I, I including mean, kind of. Yeah, so let, let, let's. I'm gonna start it over, and we are going. So yeah, yeah. including the next one. This is uh, symbolic by Death. This is their uh, penultimate album. Yep, and uh, it's an interesting trajectory for their career you know they came out of the scene with with scream bloody gore in 87 which was an that, awesome album yeah and it's very much in line with the you know the bands at that time that wanted to take thrash in a more 
extreme direction. I mean, that's ultimately what black metal, or, well, black metal as well, but death metal was at its core. It was, you know, thrash, but let's be heavier, let's be faster, yeah. let's be more extreme. Um, they refined it on albums like uh, Leprosy, Spirit from Healing. Uh, and Human was when they started becoming more progressive. Uh, a lot of people say Human is their best album only because it's their most important one. It is one of the most important records for um, the evolution of progressive death metal and just progressive metal in general. I, Rivaled only I, by I Symbolic. See, uh, I, I, I personally, like, I, I just want to get this through before uh because i i just feel like it's worth mentioning that uh symbolic is actually not one of my favorite death albums um like individual thought patterns is probably my favorite and then sound of uh perseverance and then i don't know what else is uh, maybe scream blade gore after that but um, I, I for me symbolic i mean that's what's interesting about um the conversation of greatest because i think technically Human is probably their quote-unquote greatest album if you think it's most important mm. because it came out first and it really was at the time. You know, Scream, Bloody Gore, Leprosy, Spiritual Healing all were very much, like, they're, they're very good albums, but they're, I don't think they were super different from what other bands of their oak at the time were doing. But Human yeah. really took leaps and bounds above what everyone else was doing with Death Metal at the time. I think Symbolic is a better version of Human and I think it has some of their most memorable songs. Oh yeah, I mean, like um, the opening riff to Symbolic, like the oh, song. That's is, that's is, amazing. It is so fucking memorable, man. Like I, when I had this on, I was just like, "Fuck yes!" Like, no, no it's it, it's it's amazing, and it it, it definitely it, it's it's sometimes hard to listen to older death metal and not think, okay, like you know, bands have, have become more technical. They've you know, oh, there's, yeah. there's more they're capable of doing because naturally over time you're going to, you know, people are going to present ideas you would never have thought of, and then you can build off of that versus well, let, just having to create something new. L- l- but, like, even take Schuldner's vocals. Like, you know, they, they're really, like, singular. Like, he's a very impressive mm-hmm. vocalist. But, like, even, like, death metal vocals hadn't really gotten to, like, that place yet, you know, in this, it, at this point in time, in my opinion. You know, like, you know, there's still, you know, there are more modern vocalists who I feel like do the job better. Or, oh, absolutely. Or, or at least, yeah. you know, I, I, I guess for me, um, epitomize what death metal is. Um, yeah, for me. And obviously, yeah. no no disrespect, but certainly as vocals are not my favorite um, yeah. in the death metal genre. But, I mean, this album, even, you know, for its time, and even just beyond its time, I mean, this is an excellent progressive death metal album. Mm. Um, you know, the songwriting is great. It's You can certainly appreciate just how important this was. I mean, even if, if you're not a fan, which, I mean, I get it. I think a lot of what, basically everything Death has done has been outclassed at this point. But I think there's still so much incredible value in their songwriting. Oh, yeah, it's still a great and, album. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you yeah, know, absolutely. Crystal Mountain is like, you know, fucking memorable song, especially like, yeah. for me, I, I have trouble sometimes um, sort of distinguishing uh, individual tracks on a death metal album. But, you know, I found with, with, like, a lot of Death's albums, you know, a, it's the, the, that, that issue doesn't exist as much. Like, you know, Chuck, Chuck Schuldner really knew how to write a couple of, like, you know, meaty riffs. So, Oh, absolutely. Like, I think that is what... Um, that, I think, was 
is what... I mean, I don't think any of their albums are bad. I think that's why I prefer Human and Symbolic over... Um, I mean, I think Individual Thought Patterns is good. Uh, Sound of Perseverance is, is good too, but not my favorite. I think because Symbolic especially, it still had that death metal core. Like, there were progressive elements, a lot of melody, but there are still some really heavy riffs, some nice double bass rolls. Like, mm. it just it feels like a progressive death metal album. And it, it's, it's crazy to listen back you know, when you're listening to modern progressive death metal bands and just hear how much death is, is influenced, you know. I mean, it's literally named yeah, after them. Th- there's a reason it's called death metal. Yeah. Because, well, first of all, it makes sense for just kind of the general content of the genre. Yeah. But, but also, it just really, like, they, both in their original material and then the progressive stuff that they introduced later... You know, incredibly influential. I, I've always found like, and not, I mean, I don't know if we really have the time to pick into this a whole lot, but like, do you think there's a difference between technical and progressive? Because like, I, I feel like there is, and I feel like death is more on the technical side of things, or at least in like, like symbolic is. Um. Um. Yeah, I do. I, I think for their time, they were progressive. I yeah. Think removed from like just kind of in a modern context they would absolutely be more technical than anything because yeah. you know there are so many death metal bands that have done a lot more progressive things um i mean it, but yeah like i'm definitely splitting hairs though so yeah no absolutely i think there there certainly is a difference between those two um because you, you could you could have like progressive tech death and you know there yeah. are some uh, like for example like beneath the massacre they're they're really technical um, you know, brutal death metal band, but they certainly, I don't think they do really anything progressive. They're just, they're worried about being as fast and technical yeah. as possible. Whereas, whereas you have someone like Opeth who is, you know, yeah, exactly. m- m- much more proggy, but you don't really hear any technicality, I guess, or at least not, not on the level you hear like of like necrophages or something like that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed this a lot. The, uh, the album cover, I'm still not sure what the album cover is supposed to be. It looks like some sort of like Lovecraftian monster, if you will. Um, but I've, I, I, it's a very memorable cover, cover though, all things considered. So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm trying to think about. Oh, well. So one little gripe, uh, and this is mostly because I have the remastered version, is that they include all these uh, demos. Like like like, one two three five five demos, uh, that add up to almost a half hour of extra music, and uh, it it's already fifty minutes long already. I I I just let like, I I don't want to hear demos like I I, I want to hear the full thing. Yeah, I really. I genuinely wonder where that started in music, where I mean, like, they'll just they'll tack on them. I mean, I, 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 think I, certainly... I think it's like fandom almost that like you, you get so interested in an artist's work that you kind of want to see uh, the blueprints in a way. Yeah, I I definitely I could see the place for it and I could see why people would like it. But I don't know. I mean, obviously, with production constraints, there probably isn't room to have a second disc or something like that. But it is super annoying when you finish an album and then there's just a ton of crap on the end yeah um, it's, and... it's really frustrating uh i i mean it, it, it to be fair it's it's a very it, it's kind of like a first world problems sort of gripe sure um, it's especially but... annoying within this i have this on vinyl um as well 
and this isn't a problem here, but there are some releases, you know, reissues, whatever, where they have a second LP that is all just like bonus material, or like a third side, where they they could have squeezed it onto one side yeah. because of the, all the bonus stuff. They but have, but, they but, but, but they're like like fuck it, let's double the price too. <laughs> no, and, and exactly, and then it, you know, with a, a double CD, I don't think the price would go up too too much, but with a uh, a double album, it absolutely jacks the price up, and it's like. In all fairness, though, you know, uh, I'm not really sure who's in charge of of like Death's catalog right now, uh, considering yeah. you know Chuck Schuldner passed away in, back in like 2000, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was it 2001? Um, so you know, I, I, but whoever it is, they, I feel like they do him and the band uh, a, a, a decent amount of respect. Um, because you know they aren't going nuts with like all these like 30th anniversary editions or things like that or at least from what i've seen um like it's like i i get why these demos are there i personally don't like them but i understand why they're there and i i think that it's it's not like it's like like, you remember i don't know if you remember this when um soundgarden released a uh, they did like a 30th version of uh bad motorfinger and it's like this huge thing it has like like five discs and it's like it, it's so unnecessary um but anyway they we've reached the end of our timer uh any final words no just this is i think i'm pretty comfortable saying this is my favorite death album and it's i think essential listening for anyone trying to get into the genre it just it gives a really great um you know great overview of where progressive death metal and kind of the more technical aspect of the genre mm. um, got its start or, or became more of, more of a thing quote unquote yeah in the genre yeah I get you uh, okay so next up is uh, sort of a this is a divisive album for us actually uh, in a way but uh, the second album by uh, the Mars Volta uh, Francis the Mute which uh, turns what 25 I think that that, that doesn't seem right uh, no, 15 15 Wow, that would be crazy. I don't know my numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So, Is it a device of album between us? Well, so we, we've we've actually so there was an episode of this podcast that we did that uh, the audio got fucked up. Uh, I I think like your it was it your computer crashed when you were trying to export it. Uh, oh we, yeah, we, that we was were talking awful. about Amputecture though, the album that comes right after this. Yeah. Uh, and just because I I personally like Amputecture, like that's probably my favorite Mars Volta album. Uh, and I've always never understood the love for Francis the Mute. Uh, though I will say that, like, listening to it again, I, I've really grown to appreciate it over the last few years. Um, it was really great listening to this thing again. But this is usually considered, like, Mars Volta's best album. Mm-hmm. It's, it's either this or um, Deloused, uh, which, I mean, both of those are great, you know. Uh, but let's talk about Francis. I think what really changes here is the... Um, you know the addition of more of the band's like Latin sides, basically like like uh, like a lot of Latin influence, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, among other things, um, and also just that uh, I think Cedric kind of chills out vocally a little more, or I that doesn't sound right. What what I mean is that he, uh, you know, they no longer does he just do that harsh. Uh, kind of yell that he used to do yeah, with that the exactly. drive-in, yeah. um, which I mean, to, to be fair, like you know, he was he was playing around with it in Deloused, but I think here we really see uh, him embrace you know all the different facets of what his vocals can do. So, 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anything to add here? <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Um, I, I think it just it is my favorite just because the song... There are just so many songs in this. Uh, I, I mean, technically, I, there are only five songs, but yeah. Yes, that's, that's true. Um, but I just feel like for me... The other other Mars Volta, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't heard a single Mars Volta album that I, I hate. I will say there are some. Octahedron, I prefer... you, you don't hate Octahedron? No, I don't, and I, I, I think we've we may have quarreled about this before. What about uh, what about Nocturnicate? Oh, you 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 bought Nocturnicate again? I bought you? it, and that that first track is really bad, but then the rest of the album picks up. They talk about a barrier, like I, I if that song itself was just because it puts you in such a bit anyway yeah you know that's that's the importance of QAing your album and, and putting stuff in a proper order yeah <laughs> um, but i just i think that for me the mars volta has the most songs that i mean the first uh you know the first track and then the, the widow and especially la via la viaques yeah viaques, i, I, mean, I fucking on, love that song so much it's just there are so many memorable moments on this and i think what i love is They've done a great job of balancing their post-hardcore roots with the kind of progressive, um, you know, the progressive rock direction and the Latin influences. I feel like it's the most balanced mm. on Francis the Mute. I, it may not be the best. I think they're definitely like, Amputecture is phenomenal. I love the energy and the drive of Bedlam and Goliath, but just yeah. something about Francis the Mute, the way it balances all the, those elements. Oh, yeah. and I think you make you make a great point about. Uh, his vocals because he really does have one <laughs> one volume and one delivery, which is really good and enjoyable. I, oh yeah, I mean, I, on, I, I had uh, uh, I had one arm scissor on during a yeah. walk today. I'm like, fuck, like this is so good. Exactly, but even on like the slower tracks, like uh, dancing, uh, is is that song called Dancing on the Corpses Ashes? I know or... it, it, it. It has another name. Yeah, I forget. Uh, but even even on that song where it's even more, it's a kind of a slower song. He's still like peak, <laughs> like peak adrenaline. Yeah, uh, I, which I think, which is again, it's fun. But I, I think I don't even know which one it is. I, I I've yeah. listened to this album. I've I've listened to Relationship of Command so many times too. It's just one of yeah. those one of those albums. But, um, but e- even with. Um, you know, even with that kind of singular approach, his vocals are, you know, they've always been great. They're super distinct, yeah. super unique. But something about Francis the Mute, he does, you know, whether it's the fact, obviously, he's bilingual on the album, the fact that, you know, he varies it to go along with, um, you know, to go along with the different moods on the album, the fact that it, it does ebb and flow in a way that their previous material didn't quite do, mm. um, you know, just to the degree that it does, and obviously all the different, um, you know, sonic explorations and bridges, which I will say, re-listening, this is something that I I was reminded of. Uh, I think, the, you know, when I go a break without listening to it, I don't remember that this is something that bothers me. I wish they would cut down, or they wish they had cut down on the kind of noisy freewheeling interludes they have between tracks oh, like, like, like sort, sort of like the end of uh cygnus vismond cygnus yeah there are a number of of track or a number of bridges between tracks that like and i don't necessarily dislike the what they're doing i think it's kind of a cool weird yeah it's, it's just bridge. played out for a little it's for a just little longer. so yeah. it's too like 
pretty much all of them are just a little too long. Yeah. And just because there's a point, like obviously what they're trying to do is build suspense for the next track. Like especially the lead up to La Via is 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 great because it's like this weird and then it like bursts into that guitar riff. Yeah. It's just too long. Like the point where you you would meet meet like max suspense so to speak yeah they go on even longer than that it's like okay See, like I, I actually like that used to be a problem i have with this but i actually don't mind it as much anymore what still bothers me though is is sort of how um i don't want to say how long but just how it, like there are parts of cassandra gemini the uh, the final track uh, uh-huh. that are just that is just really really drawn out yeah. Like, that, that almost seemed like unnecessary like it like i remember when i first listened to this album and i thought that like this was just like a couple of different tracks all put together at one point because it, yeah. it just felt so like just not well strung together and I, I to be like i've really grown to like cassandra gemini over time but it's still like I, I, I feel like it could have used some editing, especially when you when it's you know when you have a thirty two minute track, like you want to make sure that every single minute of that is you know necessary that you know it's it's interesting and engaging, unless you're doing like some sort of ambient album. <laughs> but yeah, I would be interested. To, I mean, I haven't listened to any of um, of. Omar Rodriguez Lope. I had to make sure I got his whole name right. Yeah. Any of his like solo stuff because he's released so many albums. I, 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 I've been I've heard really mixed things. So yeah, but I'm curious what what that might like if he did too. It's just like an experimental kind of like a Lauren Connors except more Latin influenced and more experimental, louder, whatever you want to say. Where it's like guitar experimentations, but um, that's what the album is supposed to be. I, I think the fact that they essentially are downtime for what the rest of the album has to offer is kind of why it gets a little irritating that mm. they're so long. But still, I, I mean, at least it's not, like, bad and also too long. Like, it's cool. It's just I wish they cut it a little bit, which is, you know, hard to be complain too much about. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like I, my, my, my complaints, really, on some are, are very, very minimal Oh sure. in, in regard yeah. to the entire thing i think it's just it's at this point it's just a masterpiece of like what has been deemed like new prog uh mm-hmm. which is not a label i i endorse to be um to be totally fair but just you know it, it's it's a great example of the fact that progressive rock is more than just yes and like emerson lake and palmer just like smashing down on synthesizers for an hour like yeah. <laughs> which is again is 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 not fair to them um but i that that to say that that progressive rock is is really much bigger of a label than we think it is and i think it, it can include a lot more you know uh variety of sounds i think this is just proof of that but also proof that progressive rock is also alive and well in this era of music as well yeah absolutely i, I mean 15 years really isn't that long a time in the grand scheme of things and the fact that this is at least flirts with the conversation of all-time great prog albums and it only came out 15 years yeah. ago that's a pretty good sign oh yeah of the, the health of the genre and obviously there's any number of smaller prog rock and prog metal bands that are doing you know pretty crazy awesome things they just don't get the same limelight i, I think that it is interesting how um like when mars Volta were in their heyday that you know rolling stone especially clung to them hardcore and was like hey this is what prog rock is and just 
Yeah. I, th- I think that, you know, obviously it's well-deserved and I appreciate it, but I think as long as those kind of publications feel like they're covering their bases with certain genres, they kind of don't dig much deeper. Yeah. Um, and I hope that people take the opposite route, listen to Mars Volta and say, hey, I want to hear more. I was just going to say that because we're at, uh, I think, timer's up like right now. Uh, my final closing remarks is just that if, if you like this, I really, really suggest listening to the Mars Volta's other albums. Uh, maybe not Octahedron and Nocturnicate immediately, but like, you know, Bedlam and Goliath, I think, is an underrated album. Same thing with the oh, Architecture. You know, the, they're two albums that don't really get a whole lot of love. Uh, most people just kind of stick to Francis and uh, DeLoust, which, you know, they're great albums. But it's kind of a shame because, you know, it wasn't all the Mars Volta had. It wasn't like they, uh, you know, if you allow me to be crass about this, if it, they like they, they shot their load too early, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. A, 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 any, any final words? No, I, I mean, I, I totally agree that um, this is one of the better discographies in prog rock, especially modern prog rock. Mm. And while they faltered a little bit towards the end of their career, um, it, it, all the albums are well with your time. Maybe yeah. not in sequential order, or certainly not <laughs> not starting with their newest stuff. Yeah, but. definitely. That that's definitely not the way to go. Um, so, all right, let's go to our next one, which is also a prog rock album that came out on the same uh, same year and the same month, I guess. So, same same age and everything. Uh, Porcupine Tree's Dead Wing, um, starting the timer now. So, I'm just going to go over my little experience with it, and then I kind of want to turn it over to you because you've never listened to this before, right? I had not, yeah. So, um, yeah, this is usually considered by a lot of people to be Porcupine Tree's best. It's sort of between... Uh, this one, I think Fear of a Blank Planet is usually up there a little bit. Um, I th- th- This was sort of like an album that I got after I started, like, like after In Absentia sort of opened my eyes to Porcupine Tree a little bit more. Um, and it's supposed to be like a concept album, uh, kind of like a ghost story. I don't really see that, um, but... You know, I I think it's I think it's just such a well put together album. I think when it comes to the cohesion between tracks, I think it's it's kind of tonally it's it, it's a little weird. This album's a little weird just because you know you have like Deadwing, which is an awesome starter like opening track, but then you go to like Shallow, which is just has this very strange rock riff, and then Lazarus has like this strange piano to it. Like, and not to say that I dislike any of those songs it's just that tonally it, it just seems inconsistent almost that it doesn't really seem to know what it wants to do but all that to say i think that it comes together in just a beautiful beautiful album that i i think may, maybe it it falters a little bit at the end just because it it feels like it goes on a little bit longer than it needs to be um but I also think that uh, Arriving Somewhere But Not Here is probably Porcupine Tree's best song. Uh, either that or Deadwing. You know, uh, in the solo in Arriving Somewhere But Not Here is is one of my personal favorite guitar solos ever. Uh, it just, there's so much emotion conveyed in it. Um, yeah, so I just want to turn it over to you. I really want to hear your thoughts on this thing. So. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, reading into this a bit and hearing more of, uh, you know, you kind of verifying what I read. Uh, I was a little bit surprised to hear this was considered their their best or one of their best. Uh, I remember we listened to 
in absentia for a previous episode i actually preferred that um it, they're two very different albums yeah um, and i felt like for me Deadwing felt a little bit more a little bit more straightforward uh, i still really liked it i felt like it was their like their quote-unquote rock album you know i've had a very limited exposure to their discography admittedly but yeah i i liked the atmosphere and kind of the melody what they did on in absentia more uh but i still thought this was really um i, I thought it was really well i think well put together is a good way to put it i thought it was really well constructed uh, i like Stephen wilson's approach to composition i really like the fact that uh, he he strikes a balance well between doing things that are um, kind of progressive but still direct and I like that he's able to conjure um, kind of progressive or moody themes while still writing you know, pretty distinct riffs. I think that's maybe mm-hmm. a criticism you could levy at um, Tool and I'm actually surprised that Porcupine Tree isn't because I would say Tool is more popular than Porcupine Tree. Oh, yeah. I would think it, I think it would make sense. Yeah, I mean, I just want to make sure I wasn't <laughs> speaking too much out of turn, but I, I I think it almost would almost make sense in reverse, just because I feel like Tool can be a little bit more meandering and weird and and, and whatnot. I, you know, if, if we're talking about like their last two albums, sure, but I, I I would think like I honestly think that like Lateralis has like it's like very very close to a flawless album. Um, yeah, actually, I, I think that's good. They might have yeah. got grandfathered in in a way because i do yeah. think that some of their more recent stuff it oh, surprises yeah. me that the people who like it they, like it considering fear inoculum is 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 kind of a mess so uh but <laughs> but it, it's really yeah. interesting to me uh that i guess i hadn't heard of porcupine tree before you know or that they aren't as mainstream i guess as 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 a tool or as a kind of a comparable band because i do love again the balance that they bring to everything i appreciate that a lot of these songs did kind of have maybe muted a bit or maybe turned on a bit the atmosphere and the the kind of moodiness of in absentia but still very much had a a driving rock groove Mm. i think it was that element that turned me off a bit i think it just like didn't i i wished it was a bit more in the in obsession direction maybe it's Maybe I need to listen to more Porcupine Tree albums well, to kind of get a better scope so of their... So basically you can divide their discography uh, pretty cleanly in two. And so like so like basically at the first half of their career up until uh, I think before In Absentia, which I think was, yeah, Lightbulb Sun. Um, so like, yeah, from that, uh, from their debut into Lightbulb Sun was, was more of a very classic prog rock direction. I mean, obviously... Um, Stephen Wilson's songwriting definitely adds a lot more flavor to it. Like, it's not like it's just like, um, like, you know, ELP worship or something like that, or like King Crimson worship. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's very much its own thing still, but there's definitely much more of a prog rock flavor. Whereas In Absentia sort of started, uh, this trend of like including a lot more metal influences that mm-hmm. sort of kept going until, uh, the incident, which you know their final album uh to this date anyway um you know and i think deadwing kind of took a turn where i think it it ended up sort of being both of like it it felt like it pulled very cleanly from prog rock and prog metal kind of at the same time Mm -hmm. like 
you have you know the the title track which is just like it's probably the heaviest track on the album uh either that or open car is is probably up there uh but then you know you you have you have a lot of uh softer tracks i mean arriving somewhere but not here and especially lazarus um or you know mellotron scratch things like that so um i i sort of get what you mean that like it, it definitely doesn't have the same punch than in absentia does um but i i think there's something here that's rewarding it's just not like it, it's not as immediately rewarding i think as in absentia is or even fear of a blank planet to be fair mm-hmm. um we really should do we should, we should really talk about more Pokemon Tree at some point because I like I feel like you would really like their discography overall. Yeah, um, and I, I certainly to be fair, you know, just the breadth of albums here. Um, you know, I think listening to this more than two times will will probably help open it up a bit. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, look, I'm not going to say it's a, it's a perfect album. Um, you know, it's it's certainly not my favorite Pokemon Tree album, but I still think you know it's 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 definitely a big stepping stone for them uh for just for their career so yeah yeah uh where are we on time we have about two minutes left uh any favorite tracks from this that that, that you could maybe place because I, I i know you don't always pay attention to track listings i don't do that either a whole lot so yeah i can't say frank i didn't pay as much you know i had this on apple music in the background mm-hmm. and i have a, a dual screen at work so it hides the player so frankly um I think I experienced this more as an album than an individual track. Um, I will say, I don't, again, I think Well Constructed is a great way to, to put it. I, I don't think there was a bad song on here. I think it was just the overall vibe and what I expected coming in with only, you know, having heard In mm. Absentia. Do, I think that. Do you, do you think if the track listing was rearranged, do you think you would enjoy it a little more? What do you mean by that? Well, like, because like how? I I talked about how sort of like tonally uh, inconsistent it can be at times, and I'm wondering whether like you know if you if you know uh, if you weren't exactly if you weren't immediately hit with like a track like Lazarus, which was like that that nice piano melody, um, you know if if that that wasn't immediately following Shallow, uh, which is kind of more of like a modern rock riff. Uh, I'm I'm just thinking like if um if sort of your issues maybe came from a lack of cohesion at at some point um i think it'd be helpful to re-listen with that in mind Mm um i perhaps yeah i I think maybe I'm, i'm not saying it's right or wrong so you know just yeah i i i want to re-listen now because i i think they're there's a lot here that I feel like I, I didn't get on my first two passes that I could, you know, talking to you, someone who actually, you know, is invested in Porcupine Tree and knows a lot about them. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, I didn't know if I would like In Absentia and I end up enjoying it. So I think I need to give this another try. And I'm glad that we, you know, yeah. gave it a shot. I, I would say, uh, and I mean, we're at the end of the timer. So I, my final words are just, you know, similar to Mars Volta, you know, I think there are other albums in Porcupine Tree's discography that are also really worth looking at. Uh, Fear of a Blank Planet is probably my favorite, either that or In Absentia. Uh, but The Incident is a really great album, too. I, I really don't, like, they're another band that I, I don't feel like 
like I feel like they've never come up like a bad album. There's certainly ones that I'd rather listen to than others. Like their debut on the Sunday of Life is um a little rough, but it, but it's mostly in comparison to what came after it. Um because you know overall it's it's just a super strong discography. So anyway, I'm glad that you're you're slowly getting me into them <laughs> so um, yeah I, I i just i just have to you know uh drill it into your brain slowly more and more just playing <laughs> playing the long you game you like porcupine tree you like porcupine <laughs> tree uh to be fair i did not like them for a very long time so um yeah <clears throat> so let's move on to our next album which is uh i am gonna try to pronounce this once i uh, Roz Silag Alat Zulete by uh, Venetian Snares. So the the <laughs> title is apparently Hungarian for uh, Born Under the Wrong Star or uh, I guess means like sort of basically cursed from birth. Um, and uh, so for those who don't know, Venetian Snares is a Canadian producer. Uh, his name's uh, Aaron Funk. Uh, and he's known for basically what's called breakcore, which is sort of like this subgenre of IDM where, uh, you know, ex- extreme tempos are used and ex- very strange time signatures. Um, and it's often very, like, very jolting, kind of unsettling sound that is, goes pretty fast. And uh, this is usually considered his best as well. I, I feel like I say this about every album. Um <laughs> But I, I think what stands this album apart from a lot of his other stuff is that he's using a lot of samples from like classical music, and I mm. think some also some early jazz music, if I remember right. Um, yeah. So, like, I I personally love Venetian snares. I think he is fucking cool as hell. Um, I I don't always like all of his all of his albums, uh, but he does have some great album titles uh winnipeg is a frozen shithole is is one of those uh i think meat hole is another uh there's one that's called the the chocolate wheelchair album <laughs> too that's yeah like he yeah because he, he's come out with like a ton of albums but um i kind of really want to hear your thoughts on this because this is the other album that you uh this is the first time you listened to this right yeah so yeah. the two albums i listened to the first time for this episode this is the second and I loved this thing. Nice. My, my God, this was... I, I think something that has has kept me from exploring, uh, I guess, breakcore or, you know, drum and bass or whatever you yeah. want to call it, is that kind of... I'll call it the... I know it has an official name. The Toonami drum roll. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the... the I, mean, I, know, I know it has a specific name where it's like the... the the snare refrain where it's kind of like like you know exactly what i'm talking about right are are you talking about the amen break from like drum and bass music or i'm guessing yeah like it's used in a ton of uh you know a ton of different music like i i I don't think he uses the amen break anywhere in this album but i could be wrong but yeah he i mean he uses the the break where it's like the the kind of skittering snare like it's a really famous Uh, i mean i i I don't think that's like a um i i don't know if we're, are you talking about like a general 
uh, sound, or are you talking about like a very specific, like sampled sound that you hear all the time? Because like, like I I know kind of what you're talking about, like the skittering snare. Like you can you can hear that in like uh, Richard D. James album and things like that. I I feel like that that's a very just like IBM ish type of like um, you know signature sound just like a lot of stuttering and like glitching yeah kind of yeah and that's something like it's used a lot in jungle music it's used in a few different electronic subgenres. i don't love it i don't mind it but it's in in genres where it's used a lot it gets really irritating to me didn't happen here i really liked nope. how i i sorry i i just i just noticed this i this little uh quote from pitchfork is that that um uh, Aaron Funk's percussive pal could have ventured beyond the standard issued Amen break beat. Break so I, I guess I'm an ass. So <laughs> I was going to say because I'm like like he definitely uses that. I don't know what it like, obviously it, it's, didn't know it, what it yeah. It, it's called the Amen break. Uh, it's it, yeah. It's basically like the foundation of like you know like drum and bass music. Like it's yeah. used fucking everywhere. Um, yeah, and I don't I don't mind it. I think what I don't like is in some genres it's you like it's it's used over and over again oh, yeah. as the basis yeah. of and so it, 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 i like it, it's like the the musical equivalent of the wilhelm scream if you will exactly <laughs> and it's really cool but just i appreciate that he uses it sparingly and obviously the the, the breadth of samples he has here mm. i mean i know that you know he uses a ton of samples specifically from classical music so it's from I guess roughly the same palette, but it all just feels incredibly fresh and unique on each track. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I just man, like this was so. Uh, I, I don't know. Like I'm at a loss for like yeah. it was just it was such. A, I haven't listened to a ton of Venetian Stairs. I think I listened to one of his newer albums over the last couple oh, of years. Oh, was it? Um, oh, I'm, I I know traditional synthesizer music. I th- I was the one with uh, Daniel Lamar. Oh, oh, Venetian Snares X Daniel. Lamar. Yeah, and I don't even know if I remember that that with, that much. With, oh, I think I did listen to traditional synthesizer music and like that as well. Yeah, traditional synthesizer music is a great album. Um, try to say that five times fast. Yeah, by yeah. The way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the Just Daniel, trying to say it once. <laughs> the Daniel Lenoir album is is I, I actually liked it. Uh, I haven't really listened to it that much, but uh, I I am not like. I, I've heard it it was sort of like mixed reception so um but I you know I, I think what makes this album in particular though such a stellar like standout for him is is not exactly the samples themselves but the way he uses them yeah but like you know the, the because you wouldn't think that like a Bartok like string quartet would fit into like a fucking IDM track and yet he has this way of just mixing it perfectly in and like like i i that's something i always wanted to figure out was like how aaron funk makes music like i want to know like what if he uses a daw like what daw he's using or like you know what like i i I just want to know his like equipment and things like that because like it it just amazes me how he's able to piece some of this stuff together yeah i mean it wasn't just yeah exactly it wasn't just that you know, he's using classical samples, you know, like, oh, isn't that quirky or weird? Just the way he used it was just so, it was so unique. It was so refreshing. Uh, it, it felt, I think my favorite kind of electronic music is, you know, the electronic um, 
artists that kind of take you out of that synthetic mindset mm. they, like like i kind of i lost track of the fact that i was listening to an electronic album and i just kind of felt like i was listening to an album like obviously that helped you know it's helped by the fact that he's using you know organic samples but still even the way that they were spliced and, and whatnot obviously you could tell that the electronics were used yeah but it, it felt like just an amazing um kind of merging of of generate like a clash of generations in a way like mm. just updating these sounds by by placing them the way he did um in kind of a modern electronic con- uh context oh yeah um, I, I i need to listen to this much more than you know i did to prepare for i this, highly I, I just... recommend listening to other radiation snares albums um my uh i so i was thinking because we were thinking about um fucking um sorry i'm like, like samples uh, songs about my cats uh, is 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 kind of another interesting example of that same thing where he like he's using like all these cat sounds sometimes and like I think I think he uses the meow mix theme at least once in in the album. So it was that was uh, meow the jewels before meow the jewels was a thing. Kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of though. And then like I mean, sometimes it can be a little disturbing because. Um, his album doll 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 uh uses like it's it's all about like child murder basically and like it, he uses like samples of like child murderers voices and things like that uh you know not exactly easy listening i guess <laughs> um <laughs> but it, it's an interesting album still uh but yeah he is he is definitely one of i i think one of the most talented electronic producers just ever like and I feel like he he doesn't get enough uh, credit for what he does, and like you know, it, to be fair, it is abrasive as hell. Like if you yes. if you don't like Indonesian snares, like I do not blame you in the least. But man, is it rewarding if you can get past that initial bump of, of just like how like jarring the entire thing is. Um, yeah, this is fucking great. Uh, my my really my only complaint with it is that. I can't pronounce the fucking title <laughs> or, or any of the tracks, but I mean, I, I guess, I guess if I spoke Hungarian, but yeah, it was, it was an admirable try when, when you tried, uh, when you tried pronouncing it the first time. Admirable, but maybe, maybe not very, um, uh, nice, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not very respectable to, to people who actually speak the language. So <laughs> it, it, it like it, it, it it's almost like if if i if i if i ordered like a taco a taco with a corn tortilla <laughs> oh yeah honestly i didn't even know what you were saying at first i was like what the fuck's a taco what's a taco yeah the, 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 that's but, like one of my favorite family guy jokes um but by the way what did uh what score did pitchfork give this album uh probably not what it deserved um 7.5 out of 10 okay that's not terrible because they ranked it uh 25 among their top 50 idm albums of all time so i mean i I think that that, that's that's fair i mean just considering the amount of idm that because i mean i'm thinking like boards of canada's music you know um music has the right to children every single apex twin album mouse on mars maybe so like i can i can see it being there but yeah they're um the top one is uh select ambient works yeah, see, I, uh, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, and um, then there's a uh, Autech. I think Autech is my favorite IDM art. I just I yeah, love I, Autech. Yeah, Autech is great. 
I, uh, I, I was just mainly I was I was looking for a a Daft Punk discovery moment yeah. where they call it a Frankenstein monster in the name of the third best album of the decade. Just, um, just to get but mad, anyway, but yeah. I will never. I will always have a high sodium diet for Pitchfork. Yeah. Content. <laughs> okay, so our timer's gone over a little bit. So <laughs> let's let's move on. Uh, well, to... I think I think okay. that's because in terms of topics we could talk about, we have option paralysis. Oh, oh. Okay, let's start the timer. Yeah, so we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking option paralysis uh, by the Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, so you're not going to give me any props for that beautiful I, I did. I said, oh. <laughs> okay. If that, that's, that's all that's it like deserves, the, Scott. <laughs> that's the kind of props I deserve. That's fair. So Anyway. This is, uh, this is Dillinger Escape Plan's fourth album, um, and probably like their, their first after really bro, like blowing up with Ironworks. Or this, I, I I consider Ironworks to be kind of like their breakout album, in a way. Um, this was actually my first Dillinger album, um, and I man I I still enjoy this thing a lot. Like Farewell Mona Lisa is I I you know uh just a really interesting way to start an album. Uh, Widower is to this day still my favorite Dillinger song, uh, just just because it's so unlike anything else they've ever done, and I I think that's why like this is. Uh, this is kind of like the weird album of their entire discography, if if you will allow me this, uh, because like it, you know, Ironworks still had this mathcore kind of um, centrality to it, if you will, but I felt like Option Paralysis just kind of just went all over the place, and that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing for that you know to do that but i think in retrospect i think it probably didn't age as well for a lot of people um if that makes any sense yeah i i think for me when when i think back i this is back when i uh i used to pirate music you know on the reg i just downloaded everything that they had done up to this point Mm -hmm. you know just to clarify don't do this anymore think it's wrong support artists anyway this (laughs) i started doing that when Option Paralysis came out, and of the four albums, yeah, of the four albums that I downloaded, because I don't think I downloaded any of the repeats, this was by far my least favorite, because their other projects kind of went full throttle, non-stop. Um, and then I think, I mean, I didn't listen to that deeply, and obviously I had a period where I didn't like them as much. I've since come around. Uh, I own this album. I love it. I think it is the least direct mm. perhaps of it, their it's, it's, it's the less it's the least math cory of like yeah their they definitely album. i mean obviously they've they've always done you know experimental stuff with their music even beyond just the math core foundation yeah but i definitely I, I, mean, I think I, this i felt like they didn't get to that until miss machine but yeah or, or yeah or, or well, Sir, well what's that with mike Patton that they did um god i should know this uh and yet i don't it's not not a god why am i taking up all this time um (laughs) irony is a dead scene fuck (laughs) anyway (laughs) you were saying though (laughs) i was just saying that um i i think that because i mean fans definitely especially in metal come to expect some you know things from the bands they love and i think because they didn't deliver that uh you know as explicitly on option paralysis it didn't receive as warm 
Um, well, I'm looking at the reviews. I mean, it, it got really good reviews for the time. So I, I, I just from um, fans or critics from critics. Um, no, I, I from I think among fans, I don't know if this was as beloved as um, as the albums that came before or after. Especially, I mean, what really started to turn the tide for me was uh, when I revisited One of Us as the Killer. Uh, mm. After after a period of time, not really listening to them, or... which is like definitely their best. Um, probably not my favorite, but still their best. That's uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great album. But I, I think what's amazing um, about Dillinger is, you know, I've said before that I think Primus. It's like it's beyond weird that they became as popular mm. as they were in like mainstream rock and metal circles i feel like dillinger kind of has somewhat of it, that effect in um i can see that kind of the more underground metal circles just because their math core stuff is ex- like even converge um has a very clear like hardcore foundation to to like what they do with math core but i feel like dillinger was just so abrasive with it and then they had super weird um, kind of meandering, like like Black Bubblegum is such a strange song, oh, especially yeah. considering. I mean, it's it's an awesome song, but considering you know the rest, you know what the music that surrounds it, and for that to just be there and just exist in, in the first place, yeah. Or like uh, um, Sick on Sunday, like the electronic yeah. parts of that are just so fucking weird. Yeah. Exactly, and I think that might have been. I don't know. It, it, it's it's. It's an interesting excursion for an interesting band, and re-listening to it again, um, I, I I feel like I understand why I didn't love it as much at the time, because it's just it's not as immediate as other, um, like obviously farewell farewell Man, uh, Mona Lisa, oh, Mana Lisa, farewell <laughs> Mona Lisa, Mana Mona Lisa. Yeah, it does exactly what you know, pretty much every. Dillinger album does it just it catapults into existence um but i, I don't know if it, it maintains it as that kind of level of energy as regularly throughout as other dillinger albums do which isn't yeah. a bad thing well, but i yeah, think that I, might be i almost consider that to be its asset oh yeah for it, sure yeah because like you know i i like fair like the the nutty parts like the more math query parts of pharaoh mona lisa are really cool but when it starts breaking down into like that slow melodic section, that's where I really start paying attention, uh, mm. because there there's something so eerie about the Dillinger Escape Plan doing like doing things like that. I think that that's why I love Widower, Widower so much is just because it it's just so so odd in just the like the sonic milestone that makes up their music. Mm-hmm. Um, also. Uh, just little little side note. Uh, there is someone put a uh, someone did like a music video for Widower that they, they they took the song and put it in time to um, this film, the short film called uh, Destino, which is um, actually a collaboration between Salvador Dali and Walt Disney of all people. Oh wow! Yeah, that only got made. I think it got made like back in like two thousand four. Like that, like the plans of it like were kind of like in the vaults for a very long time um but give like give that video a try because it matches up so perfectly and it it just like 
Salvador Dali just works very well with Dillinger's Escape Plan, especially with this song. So, <laughs> yeah. I You need to send me that because that oh, yeah. sounds absolutely amazing. It is so cool to watch. Like, it, it is, like, because, I mean, there, there's some, like, just, oh, God, I, I, I feel like we could do an entire episode just on Widower, for, like, at least in my opinion, because, like, I, I just, it's such a, like, just an interesting song. Like, there, there's so much to it, like, melody has like this wistfulness to it that like it almost sounds like greg Pucciato is like you know um sort of talking about a lover that he used to have and now she's gone but then again like there, there's there's a lot more to it than that and sort of the way he's able to command the energy of that entire track is just so incredible um yeah and, i mean you could say that about pretty much all of these tracks um parasitic twins is probably the other standout because just because of how that track sort of like jolts along if you will like Mm -hmm. it it feels like it like tumbles out as opposed to like sort of goes in a normal cadence um it's a very strange way to end an album i mean again not not really surprising for dillinger escape plan in a sense but you know (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're one of those bands that they just, you know, it's difficult for, they can both, it's unsurprising how often they'll surprise you, I guess is the best way to put it. Oh, yeah. Like, they just continuously, um, like, I think a great example of of them being, you know, it's strange how popular they were for the, you know, the underground metal, whatever. I think it was Metal Hammer or someone put on, like, a, a metal award show like the Golden God Awards. Oh, are you talking about what, what when they did that version of Prancer? They did Prancer and and Greg like smashed his. Yeah, it was uh, Liam. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, not, Wilson. Not, not Liam Wilson. Oh, but I was thinking of. I think it was Ben Weinman who. Uh, yeah, Ben Weinman. Yeah, like, like yeah. he smacked his guitar into into Greg's like head by accident. And they, it, they just still fucking did the entire track with blood just it, pouring down his face. It was absurd, and it was, what made it even better is, like, the crowd just, like, not being into it. Like, they just, like, did not know what to do yeah. with this information. But, like, but, 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 like, man, he really just went on, like, a boss with that, so. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. But I think that, you know, R.I.P., you know, the fact that they're, they're, they're I, not around. I, um, I feel like it's... <sighs> I, I still feel like they might be around at some point. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess because right they really, they're, they're all relatively young. They only put out, I mean, they feel like such an institution of, of, like, of hardcore and underground metal, and they only put out, what, like six seven. albums? Seven. And then, yeah, if, if you, then, oh, wait. Oh, yeah, six. But, yeah, I guess seven if you count uh, Ironies of Dead Scene. So. Um, and, um,. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this is definitely, it was nice to revisit this. I haven't listened to it for a while. Me too. Um, I've definitely spent more time with uh, Calculating and Infinity and... One of us I is think the killer. I, I forget, I, I bought their first four all in one fell swoop, and I checked, it's either Miss Machine or Ironworks I don't have any... When I, I swore I had it at one point, I just don't know where it is, yeah. so I need to buy that again at some I, point. Ironworks is really great. I, I mean, I, again, I, I think they're all really, really good albums, so... Um, Miss Ma- Calculating Infinity was probably the toughest one for me to get into. 
just because like I I love when Dillinger gets like experimental and weird as opposed to just mm-hmm. straight up math core. So um yeah. Yeah. I I just love the energy and fire on that album, but I t- I totally get it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I it's, it's definitely like, it's it, definitely I, the I most one the note of there. A lot more, but yeah, I mean calculating is definitely their most it's their most one note. And, and, you know, well, actually, actually, there's a ton of notes. It's funny though because it's probably their their most well regarded still. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we, we're, we're like way over our time, or who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> don't your skate plan fucking rules. Um, yeah. Okay, so we have talked about six albums in the course of an hour. So I don't know how you did we a pretty did that. good job. Yeah, sticking to our our time limits. Yeah. So um let's cap this episode off with uh some uh some albums of the week. So Scoots, you got an album of the week for me? Yeah, trying to support um you know bands and, and local businesses throughout you know everything that's going on. Uh, my favorite record store, Red Scroll Records in oh. Connecticut, uh, had a sale on their Discogs page, so I went through and got a shit ton of CDs. Nice. All all between one dollar and five dollars uh, i think in t- or maybe one dollar and four dollars you know i think in total with shipping it was under 30 bucks nice I got six cds so not 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 bad um and i'm slowly listening through them and speaking of growing up listening to um kind of the newer strain of post hardcore, i think this band is probably the best the most refined and kind of um, I don't want to say a word that's like insulting, but like the the, the least embarrassing. Like I'm not I'm <laughs> not like like I feel like like Dance Gavin Dance is definitely a guilty guilty pleasure band for me because I feel like they took they took that kind of like mix of pop punk and math rock and a little bit of prog and post hardcore in a, such like a poppy sugary silly direction. Mm-hmm. And this band I think was a bit more serious, and that is Circus Survive okay. and their album On Letting Go. They had those really like the uh, the intricate melodies, the really emotive vocals and lyrics, but just really well crafted, melodic, great hooks. Uh, I love. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Anthony Green. I don't know why this Wikipedia. Art, I got it up, but I guess it didn't actually have any of the info available on the album page. Yeah, Anthony Green, their lead vocalist. Um, such a weird kind of nasally but powerful um singer and i saw them live with a friend we went to oh i think it was called like adrenaline festival it was a short-lived festival sponsored by rockstar um oh, i man. don't think it's around i, think I remember that like yeah uh, what, he, wasn't that like right near the end of like when warp tour was starting to really die i think so he was a big coheed fan and we saw so like there were a bunch of smaller like hard rock and alt-rock bands that were on a different stage. And then once the main headliner started, it was Circus of Five, Coheed, Jane's Addiction, and Alice in Chains. Um, why Why the fuck is Jane's Addiction there? Or Alice in Chains, I don't know. for that matter? That, it, was a, it was an interesting lineup. That, that's a I weird thought... lineup. I mean, like, like I, I love all of those bands. I, actually, I've never listened to Circus Survive, but I those are all cool bands. So Yeah, the, and they're... I don't know. They, they just take this style, and I don't know chronologically their first two albums uh, Juturna came out in 05 and this this album On Letting Go the one I bought uh, which I actually got from our local library when I was in high school and that, that's what really got me into them came out in 2007 so I think plausibly I could see them influencing 
this strain of music. I think there were a lot of bands that sound like them. I don't know if that was just coincidental, but I feel like they take a more... I hate using the word mature, but I just, I feel like it is more mature. Like, I feel like they weren't zany. Their lyrics were about, like, normal things. They weren't talking about, um... Yeah, they, they, uh, they, they weren't... They didn't have any of those bullshit titles like Dance Gavin Dance. Like, uh, Turn Off the Lights, I'm Watching Back to the Future. Yeah, or, or like, um, or, the, the, I Told Her We Invented Time's New Roman, or whatever. Or the... Le- Lemon Meringue Tie. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, there's so many, and they still do it. Like, they still are releasing albums with with amazing titles and yeah. sometimes the zaniness gets old uh because like when you want to listen to a cool song and they talk about um they have lyrics about like pumpkin pie and stuff that doesn't make any sense <laughs> i have to i have to find the actual lyric yeah um but it's just they um they actually circus survive i feel like it's just they take their music seriously like it feels like they actually um like they aren't trying to fit to a specific scene or you know be showy or anything like that like Mm. they're actually trying to make good progressive post-hardcore and i'm glad that i saw it and and bought it because i haven't listened to them for a while and i'm glad that i did nice nice i uh so my album of the week is kind of the exact opposite of this as as is for many cases uh because i just had this on this morning and i forgot how much it it's just fucking great. And that's um, Steve Reich's Music for 18 Musicians. Oh, nice. Yeah. And just, like, I was thinking about how to describe this today. And I'm like, I, I think the best way to describe Music for 18 Musicians is that if if there is a heaven, this album is the soundtrack for it. Like, without a doubt. Because, like, it, it has, like, this, this blissfulness. Like... But but it's also like it, it it's not like it's this new age bullshit, and it's it, it's and it's not like it's like you know like heavenly choirs or anything like that. Like it just it's very it's just so itself. Um, I think I was actually looking at the Wikipedia page for it earlier today. I I guess David Bowie uh, described it as as gamelan cross dressing as minimalism. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that, that is a very david bowie as yeah but, description but, but, but it's also a very apt description if you really think about it like if you think about like what makes up gamelan music so yeah um you know <laughs> all i have to say it's a fucking great album i think it's it could be like the best minimalist work out of like the the four minimalists there um yeah it's, it's just it's an enrapturing listen and you would think that something that is just working on like a single pulse basically of like of music would be boring but like somehow it manages to go over an hour and just be like just captivating all the way through so um yeah music for 18 musicians shouting it out i guess (laughs) yeah i am um are you are you still pissed that that i picked up that album that 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 version of the album <laughs> i was actually going to say i'm very glad that you have that in your collection Aww. and i feel very happy for you <laughs> no <laughs> nothing th- that's, at all <laughs> that's something that i um has been on my list for a while did you find that in store yeah is it, yeah it, i was gonna it, say it was, it was read... like that original cover too yeah and you were like look what i found and i was like motherfucker yeah <laughs> well to to be like, fair i i had, i saw it in the listing on their website 
on Bulma's website. And, and then you just gunned for it. Oh, yeah. Actually, I sniped it's, it's, that thing. I owe you for not picking up one or both of those suffocation albums because that, oh, that yeah. was probably one of the happiest moments I've had. Well, look, but, pay, pay that into the whole rush debacle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, I guess we just like screw, <laughs> screwing each other over. Oh, yeah. And then, no, <laughs> no, no, it's all it's all in good fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, this has been our episode this week and we're going to be back next week. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you then. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we are on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.